Now on Erskine Veterans Radio, each week we like to get to know some more about the people who make up the Erskine Veterans Charity and make everything tick on a day-to-day basis. And this week, we're shining the light on transport. Whether that's going to an appointment, heading off on a day out, you need the wheels to get you there. And Nick O'Neill is the transport manager at Erskine, and he joins me now. Hello, Nick. Hello, Ian. So let's start with your own career history. Where, where are you originally from in Scotland, and, and how did you end up as the transport manager of Erskine? So I was uh, born and raised in Claybank, which is just across the other side of the Erskine Bridge. Uh, just before I turned 18, I uh, joined the army myself. So I spent 22 years as a, a tank transporter driver in the Royal Logistic Co. Uh, i done 10 operational tours in my time. I also spent uh, two years working with the UN. And then when I came back from working with the UN, I finished my career in HQ Windiv, which was based in York. So my last two years were based in York. When we moved back from Cyprus, my family relocated back to Clyde Bank because our own family were still here. So my last two years service I'd done uh, as a uh, commuting Monday to Friday soldier. So I uh, spent time travelling home on a Friday and then back down south on a Monday. Uh, during my operational tenures, I conducted operations in Bosnia, Kosovo. I've done uh, three tours of Iraq and two tours of Afghanistan also. Uh, exercised in nice countries such as Canada, uh, Oman. And obviously, as I said, I spent two years with the UN, which was in Cyprus, where I was the uh, United Nations Master Driver for UNFISIT, which is the name of the mission in Cyprus. Uh, in 2019, on the 2nd of uh, April, I finished my 22.5 years service. Wow, so it's quite uh, quite a, a career you've had and, and you've seen seen a lot of the world and, and a lot of the you know biggest conflicts over that period of time as well. Yeah, yeah. Any conflict that happened during my uh, tenure, uh, we had some involvement in it. Although... Uh, Primarily, I was a tank transporter driver. Once I made senior NCO, you had to just decide whether you were going the sub major route or the master driver route. And I, I decided that the transport master driver was the, the route that I would like to have taken. And so through that, were you there then delivering all the equipment before before everything sort of happened? Because I think my, my granddad did a similar role, I think, in the Second World War. He, he went to all the major battles around, um, like, you know, Arnhem and, and things like that. But obviously, he didn't fight in those, but he, he delivered all the equipment beforehand and, and, and knew that something big was coming. You know, that, was it that kind of situation for you? Yeah, well, pretty much so, yeah. So the heavy equipment transport or that currently used within the British Army uh, can carry... Uh, tanks or supplies, so we can carry up to a 40-foot ISO container on the back also, so it's a, a bit of a multi-purpose vehicle. In conflicts where there's no requirement for armour, we are used to manu- uh, move supplies to and from the, the forward operating bases, so we, we don't just sit back in the nice, comfortable areas, we actually move forward and make sure that the front-line supply to make sure they can achieve their mission. 
And how does that world of transporting tanks and supplies and things like that then match up with your your current world of of transporting veterans uh, around Scotland or even the local area for uh, for whatever needs they have? I mean, it must stand you in good stead. The the organisation skills that you learnt in the armed forces. So, so it does in the army uh, today is is really focusing on making sure that they operate under the same legislation as civilian industry. So. So I still had to conduct my uh, CPC managers course. We still had to conduct all our cost and waste management courses and stuff. So all the qualifications that I needed to transition to uh, civilian street were gained whilst I was in the military. So they really focus on making sure that their service leavers are prepared for the outside world in modern society. Not so much when the veterans that uh, I care for now Obviously, it didn't happen quite the same then. And, and what attracted you to, to Erskine as a charity once you'd, you'd left the army and, and you were looking to uh, start your, your new life um, away from, from the army? What was it attracted you? I, I imagine that you would have been well aware of the charity, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I had a friend who actually was the first sergeant major in the PRU, which is in the, uh, on Edinburgh site. So he, he was based there for two years as uh, one of his uh, deployments, so I was more than aware of the uh, charity. I wasn't quite aware how big a charity it is, but what uh, attracted me to it was the fact that we live in the modern-day society that we live in because of the people that stay here, and it's thanks to them that we, we are a free world, to be fair. So while they're needing care, I'd like to be part of the uh, individuals who give them care, because one day... We're going to need that same care back from our future. And what is it that makes Erskine unique as both a, a charity in Scotland, but also as a, a place for, for you to work as well? It, it's unique because it is, it's the only charity of this formation in Scotland, so that there's no other, in fact, I say that in the UK, there's no other charity that's sold for veterans. Again, most people reflect to the Chelsea pensioners, well, the Chelsea pensioners are a, a, a massively supported government agency, whereas uh, Erskine's a, a fully funded charity organisation where we rely on the, the goodness and kind donations of the people who uh, donate on regular occasions to ensure that we can provide the gold star standard of care and transport that we have for our veterans. Things changed massively about a year or so ago, and that really has impacted a lot on the kind of things that you normally would be doing with uh, with, with the veterans, transporting them around. Days out, of course, will have stopped. Uh, a lot of uh, casual social visits and things like that that you might have done will have will have stopped. How has the last year been from your point of view? So, so for me, I had only been in the jobs seven months when the pandemic took hold, uh, and. And I went from a transport role to a more focused support service. So, so, so we stopped having to take residents to hospitals and stuff because the, the world was in lockdown. We, we then focused on making sure that uh, we were giving them the, the support service side to allow the care staff to achieve the mission, which was to keep our residents as safe in the home COVID-free as much as possible. And not just within... The, the Bishopton site, obviously there's four sites and we had to make sure that all four sites were working 
uh, in sync with each other to try and keep the uh, COVID-19 from the uh, homes in general. So uh, a massive change in what was expected of us was that we, we became proactive instead of routine. So we were working on tasks that required to be done now rather than planning for tasks to happen because no one knew what tomorrow held over the last 14 months. So, and, and as much as we're getting back to some form of normality, we, we still have to be reactive and react to whatever's required at the time that it's required. So, so it's a, a huge change, not just for myself, but for the whole team who have adapted massively throughout the last 14 months. And, and I have to say, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have been able to do or achieve what we've achieved over the last 14 months. So it's done to my team more than myself. They, they, they guys just turn their heart to anything that they're asked to do. And, and, and much thanks must be given to them. And one other thing that um, has happened, though, a positive thing that's happened, is that you've got um, a new minibus uh, replacing the older one. Um, a target for raising money was, was set at £55,000, but you smashed that and uh, £90,000 was, was raised, so additional funds are going to go where they needed most to help with days out for veterans. This must be a big you know, shot in the arm f- for you now that we are starting to get back to some form of normality and hopefully increasingly so over the, the coming months. This was fantastic. So that the fundraising's idea was that the myself and them came up uh, with a idea to to raise money for the new bus, and obviously we'd done a, a name the bus campaign. Yes. Again, I had projected uh, a six month uh, time frame to try and raise the funds for this, but as we're more than aware, uh, within three weeks that the target was reached and exceeded, which was absolutely phenomenal for for the public that they are prepared to give so much money to, to us at Erskine and the current climate within the world was fantastic. So, yeah, the, the, the bus has been uh, ordered and it's due for delivery at the end of July. So we should see the winning name, which I'm not going to mention because I don't know if it's been released yet, but the winning name on the bus at the end of July in and around the areas of central Scotland. So we look forward to that. I think the name is out there. I hope it is because I mentioned it last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if it is out there, then so Shuggy the Shuttle will be operational from the end of July. Shuggy the Shuttle, because I had the runners-up yeah. as well. We had Stravag as a runner-up, and I think actually my yeah. my personal favourite was Wheel Meet Again. I thought that was uh, that was particularly clever, and, and that would have been my choice as well. And Wheel Meet Again was fantastic. Eh? gesture for a name but again hopefully it's something that we can do in the future because we had such a great uptake on it I don't know why the whole fleet doesn't name to be fair Yeah there is that, how many buses have you got now then? So I I currently have five buses with the new one inbound, obviously one of the older buses will rotate out of the fleet to allow for the uh, upgraded model so we look forward to seeing it Again, they're not just within the Bishopton area. I've got a bus in uh, Edinburgh and a bus in Glasgow also. However, the Edinburgh bus is currently back in Bishopton. There's no requirement at the minute in Edinburgh due to there being no outings and stuff. Uh, a caddy vehicle is much more accessible for them to get in and around Edinburgh City, as you can imagine. When you left the army and decided to work with the Erskine Veterans Charity, which is a charity that you knew all about, what have you found to be the real benefits of working for the charity for yourself? I just get a a sense of achievement because obviously I came from a background where 
uh, I was always part of a team, having spent 22 years in the army. So, so camaraderie is a massive thing for me. And and just to wander around the houses and and spend time speaking to the the house staff, but but most of all speaking to the veterans and hearing their stories and trying to compare how how their time within the military was so different to to my time in the military, that the conflicts that they undertook are completely different conflicts to the conflicts I, I was involved in myself. So it's nice to have a comparison of what they did for us and what I have done for our future in, in respect. So it's, it's, it's rewarding just to know that they respect the current military as much as you respect them. As you say, times are different, but the sort of things that you've had to face that similarly are are the same. You know, being away, undertaking dangerous missions in hostile environments, you know, that, that still remains the same, doesn't it? Yes, of course. And, and obviously there's some people here when I, when I say, oh, both my kids were just born when I went on operations. Uh, I didn't see them until they, they were six months old. So I sort of missed the baby, baby part. But, but as many of them could tell you the exact same story and probably... In the older days, people tend to have a lot more kids than we do nowadays, so they probably were worse off. And six months is a long time for us. Some of these guys were in these uh, conflicts for years and years, and we, we were only six to seven months at a time, so there's a massive uh, difference there. Of course, nowadays we have different communication means as well, don't we, that, that perhaps, you know, certainly in the Second World War or even earlier, that those simply didn't exist. I mean, neither, phones, yeah, phones course, barely yeah. existed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so we were, we were quite fortunate that wherever we went, we had uh, a good communications network. Uh, as, as we advanced, things such as messenger and video call and all became uh, part and parcel of your deployment. You, you get allocation of time to phone home, but you also had as much time on... Uh, your internet as you required, providing the connection was good enough, you could make FaceTime videos or messenger chats and stuff, you know. So our communication network to our uh, relatives was much, much, much more advanced than what the, the veterans would have been. However, watching some of them around the home now, you, you wouldn't think that it would startle any of them back in the day because they're also good on these uh, iPads and iPhones and such likes today. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard that uh, that they've been getting uh, good training and and uh, a, a very uh, adept at, at Zoom calls and things like that now. Yeah, well, obviously, with them being locked down uh, for so long during the pandemic, they, they, they had to adjust to be able to spend time and see their families. So some of them are gurus now on uh, <laughs> this IT equipment better than some of the staff, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's it's a good skill, and it's it's you know, as you say, it's unfortunately it's been necessary, but it's it's great that some of them, and I suppose that it's going to in- increase their contact with the outside world even post the pandemic because they'll be able to get in touch with people, you know, f- further away around the world, long lost family kind of, you know, or long distance family and uh, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, whereas. Before, they, they maybe only have been able to have a phone call with their relatives who are down south or further afield. Nowadays, you can just Zoom call or video chat. And it doesn't just have to be them and them, you know. There's m- multiple group Zoom conversations. You can have as many people as you want in these uh, group calls. So it, it's nice if family gatherings can actually happen on a Zoom call, you know. It's 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 
the way forward. I think Zoom was a, a pretty unused tool before this pandemic. I think I mean, it's one of the, the most used items in the world. Yeah, if, if only we'd have had the foresight to buy shares in Zoom a couple of years ago, we would uh, <laughs> we'd all be millionaires. Or face masks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and, uh, and, and hand gel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Right, well, look, it's been fantastic speaking with you, um, Nick, and, and thanks for telling us a little bit more about yourself and, and the things going on in the, uh, in, in the transport. And what sort of um, days out and trips are you hoping to be able to get up and running later this year if everything goes well? Have you got any ideas yet? Well, well, well as soon as we can. Again, uh, activities will we'll put a, a forecasting events together, but as soon as we can get veterans out on the ground, I want the team to be out on the ground ASAP. We, we, we have had to reduce the capacity of the, of the minibuses obviously due to social distancing. So so the minibus capacity is reduced slightly uh, compared to what it used to be, but we've still got plenty of vehicles there to get maximum uh, people out on the ground as soon as we're allowed to. I would imagine the first thing we'll be doing is outdoor uh, sort of outings, and then I'm sure it won't be long until they're back going to uh, head to do their weekly shopping and stuff. So... I look forward to seeing them on the beach doing it large, having their fish and chips before the end of the summer. I saw a news article um, on online at the weekend, and it was uh, it was at Brayhead, and uh, it was a limo, a big stretch limo, pulled up outside Primark because people were uh, pleased to be able to finally go and do some shopping. And maybe maybe that's something you could uh, work on in the future. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it looked too good with all the Erskine minibuses parked up outside the. <laughs> Primark with other residents and getting the best summer gear in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, let's finish with a song then. Uh, if we were going to play you a song, is there anything that we should we should stick on for you? And uh, and is there a reason for that song? So, so one of my favourite songs is "You uh, Two" featuring uh, Mary J. Blige, and it's uh, "One Love." And the reason I say this song is during my time in the conflicts, we used to have uh, regular updates about what was going on in and around all theatres, Iraq and Afghanistan mostly. And and they used to use a, a, a theme tune behind it while they, they were showing the presentation. And that song, whenever I hear it now, just takes me back to uh, being in these locations. So it and reminds me of the people that we've lost and the ones that are still here who were unfortunate and had uh, injuries and stuff so it's a trigger song for me I'm afraid but uh, it's it's a good song as well Okay we'll play it for you now uh, Nick O'Neill thank you very much for joining us and uh, all the best for the for the coming weeks and hope to, that uh, things on the transport front uh, start to get moving a little bit more Yep let's hope so and I hope to speak to you again Ian thank you Absolutely thank you very much